Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Good afternoon, everybody. Happy Thursday and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I am your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and I appreciate all the love that we are getting for this show. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you are getting educated, feeling empowered, and inspiring others so you and they can live a fearlessly authentic life because that's what it's all about. It's about being brave, getting over those fears, embracing that fear, and then living the life that you want. And hopefully that is your authentic life because I know it takes us a while to get there. But with the help of my guests and me, we hope to get you there. So thank you to everybody from around the world who's listening. And if you aren't listening live right now, you can listen on demand tomorrow, any place you can listen to podcasts. So let's just get right into it because we have a lot of ground to cover. My guest today is Laverne Delgado. And for those of you who do not know her, Wow, what a story she has, and I'm going to share a little bit of information about her to begin with so you guys know who she is, because she's pretty impressive. She is a passionate activist, speaker, artist, and executive director of Freedom and Fashion. She is an alumnus of the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising and has spent many years working in the fashion and beauty industry with her experience encompassing everything from mass production to couture for the runway. Beyond fashion, Laverne has a love for young people overcoming human human trafficking and other injustices and has built her life around serving them with her talents and resources. With her vast experience in working with survivors of abuse, single mothers, conquerors of injustice, and the LGBTQIA community, Laverne's track record upholds her connection to the human spirit and empowering one's greatness. Love that. Love that. Throughout the years, Laverne has led many teams and activated generosity in thousands of people, which has led to providing resources to people in need around the world. She currently lives in Los Angeles. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. I've been so looking forward to talking to you on the show. Me too. I'm so happy to be here. It's such an honor. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I remember when we talked a while ago, it seems so long ago, right? I think it was like (laughs) back in October or something. And I just couldn't wait for this show to air because you have such an an amazing story of bravery and living with integrity and then passing that on to help other people. So I'd like to start from the beginning in how you started this business, but what what was the reason you decided to start Freedom and Fashion and a little bit of background on what, what brought you to that point? Thanks for asking. Yeah. So, you know, we all have some story, I think, of of overcoming at some point, you know, whether you would measure that as, you know, something major, like a major injustice or, or just hardships in, in your family. But I definitely have that in my story. So I was abused when I was younger. Uh, and 
was in a domestic violent marriage. So I identify with the women and the youth that we serve. So it's a very personal mission for me, you know, so um, I started with freedom and fashion, you know, I, I was recruited to create these um, transformative programs. So we utilize fashion and beauty to essentially create new neural pathways in the mind. So we get both hemispheres of the brain pumping and together they actually, you know, if they participate and we do our job well, they see themselves and the world around them in a new way. So I was very committed to my own healing and, and transformation for myself. And once I started seeing that happen for myself, I could not, you know, and I saw just how powerful the language of fashion really was. I couldn't just keep it to myself. So I invented these programs and, you know, each year they're refined and, and expanded upon and, and you see, you know, what you see now on the runway and, and, you know, serving survivors all over the world. And, you know, it's, it comes from a, a personal place. So that's how I got started. So when, before this, what were you, you were, you were in the fashion and beauty industry and when did the light bulb go off? You said you were asked to create some programs, but when did the, right. you're in, you're in the beauty and fashion industry. Um, what, what led you to create this? How did, did you connect with somebody who said, Hey, we're working with these women and we'd like to get you involved. And this, because this is something that is so close to home for you, you got involved. Well, I've started like my activism, you know, almost two decades ago. So I'm fairly young, but I started very, very young and I couldn't wait to get off of work to go volunteer. And when I realized that at work, I, you know, at lunch was working on my volunteer projects. I was like, you know, I really want to make this my full-time thing. And uh, there was a time when, you know, around like 2011, where we had the high gas spikes and things like that. And, and I don't know if you know, whenever that happens, the mills in China and things, um, prices go up on fabric. So a lot of, it was a, a bit of a crisis for the fashion industry. So uh, I got laid off twice in one year and I was just like, you know, what? I don't even like this that much. And then my spirit was feeling very conflicted as well, because as you know, the fashion industry is a, a responsible, unfortunately, for not only a lot of the pollution in the world, but a lot of the human trafficking. And I was, you know, on my off time helping survivors and then on my on time, you know, arguably maybe, you know, promoting this, you know, human trafficking in, in the workforce. So not by, you know, doing it, but just fast fashion in the world of fashion is, you know, you can never tell. Sometimes the companies really do try to keep an eye on, you know, the factories and things like that, but you just never know. So my spirit was pretty conflicted about it. And I took a break and I just poured everything into developing this program. Freedom and Fashion recruited me and it's been kind of history ever since. It's in, it's incredible what you have created and the team that you have. I was watching a video of of your team and talking about the mission, and I'd love for you to share the mission of your company with everybody. And um, it's it's very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So, Freedom and Fashion, we've been around for over a decade, and we started as an awareness platform. So we had these really awesome fashion shows. The largest one was over a thousand people where on the runway, you would actually see, you know, uh, different brands that were either directly impacting and employing sex uh, trafficking 
survivors or human trafficking survivors or their brands took proceeds and allocated those funds towards, you know, recovery for survivors. So you would come to these fashion shows and on the runway, you would see cool fashion that empowered survivors. And then we had over a hundred vendors sometimes, you know, from various brands. And we were raising awareness during a time where, you know, a lot of people thought human trafficking was just what you see in movies like Taken or, you know what I mean? So it's now, now we have like the Jeffrey Epstein documentaries and things like that, but there was a time where it wasn't so prominent in media. So um, we did some really important work at that time. And then as the time went on, we utilized the art in a new way. So Right now, we utilize fashion and beauty to empower and educate survivors of sex trafficking, domestic violence, and other injustices. And we still do that by providing resources. You know, as you know, we were giving out thousands of gift bags and resources now during the pandemic. But outside of a pandemic, we have these really cool programs that we are in schools and in shelters, and it teaches the women and girls to utilize the trade to help them transform their lives. It's incredible that that you're doing this because I think about so many women are and young girls are afraid to tell somebody that they were either abused as a child or I read a st- stat on your website um, that um, 40%, I think it is, one in four girls mm-hmm. are sexually abused before they're 18 years old. And yeah. So that's a very, very high number. And so many women, you know, in their 50s and 60s, like my age, they're, they still keep that secret inside because there's that shame. And I think by having beautiful programs like the ones that you've created to empower women to know that there is a safe place to go, to be with other women, to grow, to be creative, and to grow and to eventually be independent and know that they're being valued. And I know that's a lot of what you talk about. I talk about that with my clients, you know, some of them have had those kind of issues and it's finding that, that strength from within and it's through doing something it's by taking action. And I think that's what you're able, it sounds like what you're able to do with these programs is able for them to take those steps to feel valued and empowered. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, a no coincidence that you mentioned shame because that's a huge part of our programming. We have, you know, about four weeks that we just focus on vulnerability and shame. And, you know, I get asked all the time, how are, how are we going to stop human trafficking? How are we going to stop domestic violence? And I always say, you know, the first thing is to eliminate shame from the conversation because as long as shame is in existence on any way, whether it's to the perpetrator or to the victim, we're just, you know, we're just moving backwards. So um, eliminating shame from the, from the narrative will then set us free to share. And the more we share and we gain a general, you know, education about the injustice and about the violence, the more we understand the perpetrator and the, that the quicker that we do that, the quicker we can get in front of the problem. And we're not always, you know, on the response. So uh, I love that you mentioned that we focus a lot on that. And, you know, there is no larger chain than shame. And um, I'm very, we're very committed to, to eliminating that. So how did you move on? So you were at a young age, you were sexually abused. Mm-hmm. It seems like, um, I don't know what the statistics are on this, but if you are sexually abused, I, I've read that 
many women go into a marriage and then they are abused, whether it's physical or mentally abused in that marriage, do you find that that is a normal um, path that a lot of sexually abused girls follow just because they don't know anything? I don't want to generally speak, but in, in, you know, in, in your field. Yeah. I mean, I'll speak for myself because listen, here I am, right. An advocate activist and an educator to survivors. And at the same time I was in my own domestic violent marriage, talk about shame. There was a years that I was like, I, I didn't, I didn't say anything because, you know, there was a lot of unhealthy narratives. I was in young executive at the time. And, and actually uh, my you know, domestic violence story started in 2015, 2016. And that's when the the previous election was happening. And I remember on TV, I don't remember who the reporter, who the the anchor was, but I was watching, you know, someone comment on Hillary Clinton and this isn't to get political. I don't care, you know, who voted for what, but you know, you cannot deny the fact that she was making history. And somebody said, how is she going to run the free world when she can't even keep her husband happy? So here I am a young executive at the time, you know, domestic violence just started in my marriage. And I'm like, oh no, if they're criticizing Hillary Clinton almost two decades later for a mistake her husband made, I definitely do not have room to have a messed up marriage. You know what I mean? I cannot, and, and especially being an activist that's an executive of, of a company and a nonprofit yeah. that helps survivors. <laughs> so. Wait, so here you were, you were living, you were living in that, in that situation where you were helping others. I, f- I feel that a lot of people end up doing that. You know, there's that whole story about the shoemaker's kids who never have shoes, um, you know, and so on and so forth. But it's, it's, so what was the wake up call? Did you just wake up one day after doing what you're doing I, I and listening to that reporter? Was that the wake up call that you got that said, I got to get out of this or I've got to make a difference because this is, I'm not living with integrity. Right. So I think my, I don't think I had a specific moment of like, aha, but just over time. Uh, and I genuinely like during, during this process, I was, there wasn't a day I was just sitting by letting it happen. I was trying to find recovery for myself, recovery for him. Like I was desperately trying to uh, pursue healing for the both of us. And as you know, that doesn't work. Like two people need to pursue their own healing for themselves. But I was just so committed and, you know, I cared. And there are other things, you know, other complications that, that, um, you know, he was dealing with that made me empathize and was, I was trying my best, you know, but there was, I think it just got worse. Honestly, Jody, as the years, you know, a lot of the time domestic violence doesn't start as like an abrupt, you know, throw down the stairs or something like that it's little little acts of violence whether it be you know name calling or whatever and throughout the years it gets worse and that was my story and you know at the end of it I was like what you're saying this is no longer I am no longer an integrous person I feel you know to to be able to do and it was actually my survivors the ones that we teach and lead I would watch them and I was like eventually and it, it ended up to we healed alongside each other um, and it ended up being such a beautiful part of the story. Well, I'm I'm so happy for you because, as I said, so many women keep that shame within them, and it stops them from moving forward. And you know, I, we all have. I, I think that a lot of women don't identify with being verbally abused as as domestic abuse. 
yeah. or any kind of abuse. It's abuse, no matter what. Nobody should be verbally abusive to you. And, you know, I dealt with a lot of that in my marriage myself. And I remember thinking, hey, you know, this needs to stop. And I do not want my daughters to see that this is something that their mom tolerates in a relationship. And because I had two little girls staring up at me saying, you know, hey, you're going to let this guy talk to you like that. And then it gets bad. You know, it gets it, it. The banter gets back and it doesn't abruptly begin. It just it's sort of like it just sort of escalates itself. And I, I just hope that everyone who's listening, if you know anybody or if you are if you are feeling any of these, if you are being physically or verbally abused, that you know, don't feel ashamed to get help. You need to get some help and take care of yourself first because that other person, like you said, Laverne, is not, you can't do it together. You have to do, you have to take care of yourself first. Right. And I want to just piggyback on what you said because it's absolutely like, I think I felt alone a lot of the time. As much as I knew I wasn't, I was in the rooms with survivors all the time, but I didn't think that other executives and other leaders went through it. And as soon as I started sharing my story, leaders of bigger nonprofits and politicians and all these, I'm like, Oh my God. You know, I started hearing all these other stories of, and women who, who feel the same. And it's not just a women thing. I also do want to like encourage men as well, because honestly we have some men survivors and men just, just generally do not feel like they have any space to claim domestic violence or even acknowledge that it happens to them. But oh, it does. You know, I've had, you know, some women who have been very violent towards men as well. And because of that whole stigma and the whole narrative, you know, men kind of get the short end of the stick and they just kind of have to buck it up and man up. And it's, it sucks because regardless on the psyche, it has the same effects. You know what I mean? Like whether you're a man or a woman, this kind of abuse harms and and it costs families and children especially if there are children in the in the relationship so and your program is just for women right women and youth so under youth uh, we do have some men gender fluid non-identifying clients so um and we do serve we're serving a lot more families now in the pandemic we're just answering the need and and we are serving a lot more like men as well we not we are predominantly youth and women focused, but you know, um, if, if someone needs help and they're a man and we can help them, then, then we do. That's fantastic. Let's talk about what happened during quarantine. Um, so for somebody to, first of all, let's back up for somebody to get involved in this program. Do they need to live in the Los Angeles area? Are you doing things online? Uh, we haven't been virtual yet as far as programming. So the education, at least to my understanding, you know, my mom's a teacher and I kind of keep my ear to the ground on all that and they're in constant contact with our partners. They're kind of just now getting their footing in their own system with, you know, the parents feeling supported and the educators, you know, getting used to this new way of being, right? So we'll start our virtual stuff in 2021. uh, But right now we are strictly doing like survival need resources and now during the holidays a lot of gift giving and ensuring the parents have gifts to give their children and things like that. So what happened during quarantine? Did you find a lot of lot more people were reaching out to you or was it the same and then as we were staying in quarantine, I mean you're in California, so you guys have been in quarantine much longer than a lot of other people. Right. You know, I'm on the East Coast. And 
did you find that, you know, it was sort of everything stayed the same? And then was there a, a, a spike like in April or in May? Oh, my goodness. There was a spike like almost wow. night. So Freedom and Fashion is an education nonprofit. So depending on who you ask, there's about, you know, 12 to 14 stages from the rescue to rehabilitation process. Right. And there's usually a nonprofit that covers one to like three of those stages. So we're towards the end, you know, usually after the client has their survival needs met, food, water, shelter, clothing, and they have, they have the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health to be able to start retaining new information. We come in and help them kind of propel forward into contributing back into society again. However, talk about, can you talk about those three, those last three stages? Yeah. I mean, it depends on who they are, whether it's a okay. fan, you know, man, women, you know, everybody's, everybody's stages are a bit differently, but this is where they start learning like, you know, a new trade skill or they're developing, you know, they're, they're moving from their shelter into independent living or transitional housing, you know, uh, or they're, they're trying to graduate high school if, they, if this isn't a school, you know? So they're at the point where they can't, they, they need that extra push to really break through, um, and become an independent contributor. So whatever that looks like for the individual, that's where we come in and, and provide our services. So that's outside of a pandemic. But because to answer your question, I personally was getting calls up until like maybe even a month ago, kid you not, every single day from survivors. Somebody saw us on the news. They saw us on Facebook, Instagram. I need help. My mother just beat me. I need help. We had clients go missing. I was literally out there on the streets looking for girls because like the domestic violence, one of our girls uh, was beaten up by her boyfriend and went viral on Instagram, went missing. (laughs) So, and in law enforcement, there's a whole backup there because of the pandemic. So people who usually aren't supposed, you know, aren't the ones out there looking for girls. I'm out there looking for girls, you know, in the middle of the night. We found her and, you know, she's fine. Thank God. But this is what I mean. You know, all of us in the, in this field, we're just kind of wearing all hats and, and just doing what's needed right now. Did you expect that? You know, when it, when we went into quarantine, did you, were, did you think to yourself, oh no, here it goes. Did you have this gut feeling? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because here's the thing, like I, the home is not the safest place for everyone. So when someone's like, you must stay home. Well, I know v- from my own experience, you know, even my, honestly, in my marriage, like going home, I worked 16 hour days. Well, you know, it's called having a small business, but also too, I was afraid to go home. You know what I mean? So I didn't want to be home. So I know it from personal experience, but then just being in this, in this trade, in this field, you know, when they're like, okay, you gotta be, you gotta, you're locked out. We're literally on lockdown. I'm like, oh no. This means the kids and the parents are locked in with their abusers. And because of the backup and the kind of crisis with law enforcement, um, and because the the victims, now the abuser has eyes on them 24-7, when one would be, you know, able to get away and call for help, well, they no longer have that opportunity now because they're literally locked in. So it's just kind of across the board. We all know, even in cities where you don't see a spike in numbers or calls. We're just like, we know what's going on. We're not dumb. You know what I mean? So absolutely. Right. I was thinking about that and the shelters, if they were taking in more people, if people were getting help, 
And it was like breaking my heart to think about that, uh, to think that they're that that they maybe didn't have a place to go that felt safe to them. And they thought, oh, my goodness, I have to stay here with this person. I can't even imagine the fear that was inside their bodies. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And like literally, I mean, you and I, we know the power of the body and, and trauma in the body, but just literally and metaphorically like fear, pain. And that's just, um, you know, from the beginning of the pandemic to now, like I have seen, um, I, I mean, there's a lot of resilient clients that we have and we do do a good job at keeping up with them and providing our service. Uh, but we're, no one's able to be their guardian 24 hours a day, you know? So I have seen just how the impact, the pandemic has greatly impacted these individuals and um, yeah, home isn't the safest place for everybody. So I, I, I don't know. (laughs) We're going to have to figure something out, I think, because um, it's just not the answer for everyone. It's just such a new life for everybody. And uh, you know, people are getting divorced and people are just, it's just everything. It's just a lot of stress. Add, add, you know, we have life and then add more stress to it. And whatever your current situation is, uh, it just makes it much harder. So I wanted right. to ask you, we're going to go to a break in about a minute or two. I wanted to ask you a question about um, the ages of the women that come to you. Yeah. How young so- and how old? The youngest survivor I've ever served was sad. Te- technically the youngest survivor victim. She, they, she, they lived in brothels, um, was a toddler. Uh, and the oldest survivor I've served is, was just about 60. Actually we had someone over 60 now. So yeah. Um, Full, full range, full scope. You know, we go to different parts of the world. Um, you know, when you go to other areas, you know, the clients are outwardly younger, you know, um, but we've been able to impact a, a good range of people. My goodness. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to take a break right now. We're going to take a break for a few minutes. Everybody stay with us. We'll be back in a few minutes uh, with Laverne Delgado. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, Following this meal plan can help you get there. 
The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code PODCAST to get 25% off. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back with my guest, Laverne Delgado, the founder of Fashion Freedom and Fashion. I always, Freedom and Fashion. And I wanted to ask you, how do you stay healthy? What do you do to make yourself feel good on a daily basis? I have a very firm belief in affirmations. So fashion is the most universal language. And I know firsthand the power of language. So before I go to bed, when I wake up, at least internally, but, you know, as often as I can, you know, I verbally communicate affirmations and, and manifestations for myself and for my life. That has been proven to create new neural pathways. If you're, you know, persistent and you practice it. So I am a very, very firm advocate for that. Uh, Physical, as you know, the body is so important learning about, I think when sometimes we hear like, you know, you got to take care of your physical, we're just like, go to the gym. (laughs) But there's so much more to that, whether it's like what you put in, but also breathing. You know, I learned a lot about uh, breathing and how, where I hold trauma in my body and things like that. I had amazing I have had an amazing, it's called bridging, a bridging uh, experiment, uh, experience with, with these great healers called the love gurus in LA and learn about, you know, breathing where the tension and energy is in your body. Um, but that's a huge part of it. And that all impacts the mental, you know, and emotional. Uh, so those are some, you know, I work out, you know, I think close to every day, a little, even if it's like 20, 20 minutes or something like that. Um, so there, are, there, there's not just one answer. I also get executive coached. So we talk a lot about the methodology and, and the patterns that I have and how they developed. And, you know, there's 
therapy. I'm in therapy every week too. <laughs> okay. So I'm glad you mentioned all these things. I love yeah. the fact that you have an executive coach. I talk mm-hmm. to a lot of female business owners and they all have coaches. It is so important that we're open to telling people that, hey, we are getting coached by other people. Oh yeah. Uh, because we need that. We need that to take our business and ourselves and our value. So we don't, we don't devalue what we offer to people. And we, we know how to keep going forward instead of staying, getting stuck because sometimes we get really down on ourselves. And I don't think it's just a girl thing. I think guys do it too. And I think it's really important. I love that you brought up that you have a coach and the daily affirmations. So whether it's praying Mm -hmm. or we call it meditation, whatever you want to call it, because the body follows what the mind tells it to do. And if we don't have the right mindset, and it's hard, it's really, really hard to have that powerful, strong, yet as a woman, I know that I still want to feel feminine. And so many women feel and compare themselves to men and think, well, I have to be tough. I have to look like a man. I have to act like a man. No, you don't. You right. can be that feminine, strong, yeah, and sexy woman. Not, you know, you got, you could have it all. You could have it all together. Um, but it starts with your mindset. And then obviously the physical part of it is going to make you feel strong inside. And I think anybody who is not moving, you know, at least five times a day, uh, five times a week, um, is going to start feeling a little lethargic. So they all go together. And I'm glad you said it's not, hey, Jody, it's just one thing I do. Right. Yeah. I think it's, uh, there's a lot of power and awareness. So if there's one thing I can say, you know, you know, what's a magic pill someone could take, I, if you could focus on your awareness and just becoming more aware, those other things will follow. Like where aware of where we are right now. How am I breathing? What's my thought? Am I aware of my thoughts? Do do my does my mind just kind of go wherever it goes, and that that equates to me on the couch for hours, you know? But if we can at least become aware, uh, other things, you know, we by nature, as you know, you know, we the, there's nothing more resilient than the human spirit. We were built to you know conquer and create and ideate, you know. So uh, we are remarkable beings, and and in health in nature, we are creating cool shit in the world. Excuse my French, you know, but, um, you know, if we first need to become aware of our current state. So that helped me a lot, even in like little things like my breathing or my thoughts. And once I became aware of what they are, I could accept it and move it and change it. Well, the breathing, as you mentioned, is so key. You know, when you're working out your breathing, you have to control your breathing. When you're you know, I've had, I've pushed two kids out, the breathing, obviously they teach you how to breathe correctly uh, in having sex in doing anything. If you're not breathing, doing all of these things, it's, it's, it's not, it's not good for you. And to find that stillness in your day and just learn how to breathe and listen to being aware. I love that you brought that up, being so aware of your breathing and that stillness. And even if you can't stay still, but being aware of it. And so many women, so many people are not aware of, you know, they might be looking at the person and say, oh, is that me? Like, they're just not aware of it. And I think that those are great, great suggestions for everybody to do because we have to learn about who we are so we could 
get stronger and move forward because we never, ever want to go backwards, no matter what it is. Well said. So tell me, are you designing anything right now? Tell me about what you creatively, I know you're being, you're creative on a daily basis, but creating any fashion, what are you doing in in that part of your life? I mean, my creativity is most commonly expressed these days in our teams and in our programs. So recreating the programs and the structure and the people who facilitate, that's where my creativity really just takes force. The fashion lines that you see uh, on on the runway, on the Freedom and Fashion runway, those uh, fashion lines are typically, you know, 80% of the time creative directed by me, uh, but the, the survivors and the girls are the actual designers. So I have, I'm just there to help steward their, their thought into a place of fabric and, and a tactile design, you know, but uh, that's kind of where I get creative and my job and, and what we do in the programs, it's, it's relating to humans is a creative <laughs> expression. You know, we are multidimensional, complex individuals. So we need that right hemisphere of the brain active and well in order to even have healthy conversations that move us forward in our relationships. So yeah, creativity is all around. Very true. So do you find that a lot of the women are nervous to start creating? Yes. A lot of women, you know, listen, when you're talking about survivors of sex trafficking and you're talking about clothing, we ask, you know, what color do you like? Well, these women and girls, they like the color their pimps told them they liked, you know, they wore the clothing that their pimps told them to wear. So asking them like, well, do you like red lipstick or do you like, you know, this, they're like, uh, they're just beginning to even get to know their preferences as an individual, you know, and these are things in health we're learning at four years old. This is so, this is so important. So it's been like, they just, they're just stuck. And then you're giving them this opportunity. Hey, we want to know what you like. We want you to create, we want you to pick the colors that you like. And I can't even imagine what they're feeling, right? Like I get to do this. I get to pick the pretty color. Yeah. It's, there's a, for a lot of our, our clients and designers, there's usually a blockage there of giving themselves permission to consider their likings, to consider their opinions. And that right there can and has been a big trigger point for a lot of, of our girls. But once they get past it, it's so freeing and they just fly and they are brilliant designers i'm telling you you see this is not any like you know no tea no shade i'm gonna tell you right now we are not creating any like flimsy designs these are really beautiful garments and 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 our designers are brilliant the creativity and expression of self is a very vulnerable act so once we are able to kind of help them enable them to feel that freedom to express they are brilliant they create some of the coolest stuff so the, the runway show is a huge, tell me about that. Yeah, that it's such a fun, there's no fashion show like it. Like literally there is not a fashion show. In my opinion, when you're talking about narrative and purpose, that's more important than this one. And that, but there's just not one out there like the Freedom and Fashion Fashion Shows to where on the runway, you're seeing designs that were designed by, you know, these overcomers. On the runway, you're seeing 
some of the overcomers model and, and walk. And when they walk, they're not just, you know, they, they get coached by models and they practice, you know, walking and they're practicing and, and learning as a model would learn. And they go out there and, you know, these are girls and women who had their hoodies and headphones on and you couldn't tell them a lick about life. They wouldn't even look you in the eye. And now they're opening a fashion show to, you know, 500 people in the natural history museum. You know? I, I saw some of the videos and the the confidence. I mean, what you're doing to build the confidence and the the value that they value themselves. Like, look what I created. Look at me walking on stage. I, you know, just from my perspective, somebody who's not gone through a horrific situation like that, going outside of my comfort zone and just walking on stage when I was competing in fitness shows. Mm -hmm. It's scary. It's really, really scary. You're constantly taking yourself outside of your comfort zone. This is, this is huge. This goes beyond scary. So I can't even imagine you mentioned making eye contact that that's, that's even, that's one step there, you know, to look up and say, Oh, okay. You're giving me the freedom to choose. I get to choose something. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, even at the shows too, backstage hair and makeup, it's done by our girls because they're learning the trade of fashion and beauty and hair. And, and so the, the runway on the runway, what you see, you know, they're assisting celebrity makeup artists and they're doing the, you know, the makeup and the hair and all the glam is done by them too. And the talks given at the show, they're, they're public speaking, you know, for the first time they're sharing their stories uh, and they create help, you know, creative direct the ambiance and things like that. And, Oh, this part is really cool and really important to mention. So each fashion show has a theme and that theme is uh, created by the girls and women. So at each home and shelter, we all come together and there's usually like uh, one, the younger girls are usually the ones that, you know, they hear, you know, some of the stories and the narratives and they see some of the designs of the other homes and shelters and they create, they decide what theme of that fashion show is going to be. So our last fashion show uh, was, it was called Descent and it was about the depths of the ocean. And they chose that because though the, the ocean is very deep and dark, it holds some of the most beautiful and resilient life. And oh. they created, right? I'm like, what? They are brilliant. I'm telling you. So that's this, like, that was the one in the natural history museum. It was so cool. When, so it's just once, once a year. Yeah. And when, once and when is it usually held? In the fall. So, uh, usually in like October, sometimes early November, but usually in October. So you didn't have it this year. Didn't have it this year. Okay. Little so tell me what's, yeah. <laughs> so what's going on now? Are they, are they working for, for maybe, will you do something in the spring? Tell me again. I know we spoke a little bit about how it's affected. It's been affected by the pandemic, but now that we're out of quarantine, but we don't know what's going to happen next. What are, what are the plans for a runway show? There will definitely be another runway show. They're just so cool. And it's a huge part of our programming. That part, that kind of like end goal, that graduation, if you will, is a part of our clients reaching a, a destination. So we will definitely have another fashion show. Uh, right now, we're really focusing on awareness and uh, getting their stories out there. So we're working on a docu-series and, and pitching that and creating, you know, um, just the deck for that. So uh, awareness is our big focus right now. So that and 
you know, hopefully it seems like the world is so unpredictable. We have our plan and we're going to see it through uh, while taking each day as it comes. This needs to be global. I mean, the program that you're describing, it needs to be all over the world. It really does. It just so many people need this. My goodness, like what you're doing, you're, you're making huge changes in people's lives. You're impacting so many lives. And I think that was probably the mission to begin with, to impact people in a very powerful and positive way so they can go and live these beautiful lives that they were intended to live. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really fun. I mean, there's a lot of hardship in it. You know, I'm an empathetic person, so I feel deeply for the girls and the women, but there's nothing better than seeing them so stoked off of their designs and, you know, sharing their stories that, you know, a part of our program is advocacy. We create advocates. So, and not in just a, a kind of like, well, you're an advocate, but no, they're literally on the news, sharing their story on the front lines, utilizing, putting purpose to their pain for other, for the sake of others. And just recently, last week, one of our youngest survivors, she and I partnered together to serve over a hundred families and she orchestrated just about all of it. So, wow. she, yes. So this is like kind of the full circle impact that we create here. So a part of our programming and a part of eliminating shame vulnerability is utilizing your story for the greater good of humanity. And that plays itself out in a literal way when they're on the news on stage, using their platform to help other girls and women like them. You brought up shame again. Um, there's so much shaming going on on social yeah. um, media and, shame in different ways. There's mommy shaming. There's, I don't know. I, I just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I think it just, it squashes people's voices and we need to hear from everybody. And if people feel afraid and ashamed of coming forward, what kind of advice do you give? Can you give them if they are afraid to come forward and they're so ashamed that they're just, they're just paralyzed with this maybe fear and shame, mm-hmm. how do you get them to take that next step? I, I know they can reach out to you I, and, and we'll, we'll give everybody that before the end of the show, but what would you suggest to them? Well, the first thing, I think a common answer that a lot of people say is like, don't feel ashamed. You're this, you're that, you have a story to tell and all that's true. However, I'm more curious about, hey, what's the narrative behind that? And like, let's talk about that Um, because I don't want to disregard somebody's fear. You know what I mean? We will eliminate that fear in an authentic way, hopefully down the road, but just, Hey, like, have you loved yourself in this fear? You know what I mean? Okay. So you're afraid. Have you held, you know, the five-year-old you that's afraid right now? You know what I mean? Rather than fuck up kiddo, the world needs your voice, you know, all very true. (laughs) we'll get there. But um, for those who are afraid of sharing their story, I just would say like, you know, for five minutes, stop figuring and and consider, you know, I don't know how, how young were you when you first felt that fear? If you can pinpoint that memory, could you hug that little girl? Can you hug that little boy? Can you hug that little boy in your head for five minutes? See how you feel after that point. And then are you able to share your experience with your best friend? Or, you know, maybe it's not on a platform. Maybe it's not to the authorities. Maybe it's just to your parent. Or maybe it's just to your sister. 
You know, can you say it in the mirror out loud to yourself? You know, there are steps to these things. And, and um, uh, the elimination of shame isn't just by like, get out there, kid, and jump off the cliff. You know, right. A little bit of tough love. Yeah. It doesn't always work in every situation. And I think you, you've mentioned the word empathy and I know in my business, I need to be empathetic all the time because everybody comes to me for different reasons. And Mm -hmm. if you're not empathetic, it's hard to have that, that, um, affection and that, that understanding to what that person's going through, you have to be empathetic. You you cannot be doing what you're doing or helping other people, servicing other people without empathy. And it's it's I think it's the key to everything is to be have that empathy for others so you can help to to empower them. Yeah. And I'll add on to that because that's absolutely true. Also, I know a lot of people who for various reasons, whether it be like chemically something biologically is going on or habitually or empathy is not a natural way of being for them. And they, they just don't, and they're not, they're not bad people. They want to feel empathy, but they just kind of don't. There's their own, there's their, they have their own story there. What I would tell those people is, Hey, okay, well stop beating yourself up for not feeling empathy. Okay. Like, can you act like you feel empathy? Because even in our relationship here, if you feel the empathy, but I don't experience that expression of it, it's almost, it might as well not exist. So even if you don't feel it per se, for whatever reason, are you able to adopt the language and the practices to help someone else feel as though you feel them? Because that's what people remember. You know what I mean? You don't have to fully understand our survivors to care for them or to act like you care for them. You don't have to fully get sex trafficking or even feel bad about domestic violence. There's some people, they've never gone through it. They just don't connect. You know what I mean? They're not crappy people, but can you try to act like you do? Because that expression is what causes the other person to feel heard and accepted. And I think generally and universally, that's going to help create the unity that we need. You're amazing. I mean, you're 30 years old. I don't mean to put a tag on your oh. on your age. You are oh. you are half my age. I will be 60 at the end of this month. Okay, and but you <laughs> look like that. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. But it's you are wise beyond your years. Was it years of of therapy where you learn this? Did you read what, I mean, my goodness, what you're saying is just so profound Mm -hmm. and so important for people to hear. How did you, how did you learn all of this? How did you have, was it the self-awareness, right? Yeah. You know, there's, if you, if we can at least, even if we don't genuinely feel curious, if we can act curious, what would a curious Laverne do in this moment? If we're in an argument, what would a curious Laverne do? Okay, a curious Laverne would ask questions and try to gain more understanding. Uh, if I didn't understand spirituality, you know, like, you know, what would a curious Laverne do? Well, I would start reading and listening. I would start absorbing different things, you know. So I think curiosity, uh, I know curiosity uh, is a, a huge foundational brick to uh, the revolutions and the transformation that this world needs. So you know, if you don't, you don't need the PhD, you don't need to be an activist out on the front line, you know, Amen. Thank you. Whatever. Thank you. you don't need that. But if you can be curious and get curious, even with yourself, 
in your own heart, in your own mind, in your body, uh, that's a great start. Start that's- asking yourself good questions. That is great, great advice. So how do you live a fearlessly authentic life? You talked about being authentic and you talked about being fearless a few times. Mm-hmm. So how, what does it mean to you, fearlessly authentic, and how do you live that fearlessly authentic life? Man, fearlessly authentic, fearlessly authentically speaking doesn't mean I'm always fearless. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to be honest, you know what I mean? Because when you're, look, and, and this isn't to sound braggadocious, but I do work towards constantly leveling up. And when you level up, the cliffs get higher and the drop gets higher, you know? So that fear, you know, to beat the boss, the bosses get bigger. So I constantly feel afraid, you know, even having certain talks with individuals, you know, I kind of get that jolt, but here's the thing that I learned. Biologically, physiologically, when we are afraid and when we are excited, our bodies are this like 10 seconds away from, from feeling the exact same thing. So fear and excitement are very, very similar physiologically (laughs) and, and neurologically and psychologically. So if you're feeling scared, if I'm feeling scared, sometimes I literally start jumping around and I start acting like I'm at the edge of a cliff and I start pumping myself up and, that will change your, your body will start reacting to it as it, as if it was excitement. So does that make sense? What I just said? Absolutely. I mean, before a show, I'm always, I have this fear, but it's exciting. You know, it's, it's yes. the same. It's I'm get revved up. I get really amped up. Yeah. So if you can, if we can be, I, to answer the question, um, it goes moment by moment. I don't have this like kind of like blanket statement of like, I do this and this is, but each moment, um, each stage, if you will, if I start feeling fear, uh, I get curious and ask, what would an excited Vern do right now? If I could be excited about this, what would I do? Um, I don't always have the answers, but I'll just start jumping around and imagine myself jumping off a cliff. And usually that gets me there. I love that. Thank you. We are, we are, we are out of time. I mean, this has been an amazing, amazing conversation and how can people reach you? Uh, how do they reach you? Yeah. So freedom and fashion has an Instagram and Facebook page. That's where we post a lot of our updates. So it's just at freedom and Andy fashion, freedom and fashion. And then my personal one is Laverne love L O V E V E R N E. So I always want to send people to freedom and fashion because that's where all the really cool stuff is. Uh, but you'll see me tagged on, on, on there too. If you, if you want to, we want to hang out. We want to be friends. I, I want to get involved with everything that you were talking about today. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk. Don't go away yet. But everybody, thank you so much for listening. Laverne Delgado, thank you so much for being on Fearlessly Authentic. I really appreciate the time and uh, educating us and empowering us. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.